Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to A Word with Tom Merritt. That's me, Tom Merritt. Not telling you what to think, but trying to help us all figure out how to think because we take shortcuts. We have to. There's too much information out there. We need to decide what to put in our brains and which shortcuts to take in order to operate in a world that has never been richer with information because uh, we're not monkeys. But like monkeys, we like to imitate things. And so it's good to hear how other people deal with all this information. These are the kinds of conversations that I always enjoyed having with my grandpa Carl when we would page through the newspaper with my grandma Roxy when she would tell me stories. And both of them really helped me learn how to think about life. So I got lots of different ways of looking at the world, lots of practice having great conversations. And it was all training me for this moment right now. Welcome into the front room, Brian Brushwood. Uh, dude, not for nothing, but that might have been some of the best freestyle poetry I've ever listened to. It was amazing. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, if you explain what you do these days to people, how do you explain it? It's harder and harder because once upon a time, it was a very simple phrase. What do you do? I tour the country doing magic. Uh, what kind of magic? Weird magic. I eat fire. I read minds. I do comedy. I escape from straitjackets. Hooray. I'm great. Me. Uh, and then more and more internet started to happen. And I started to get well known for increasingly not magic related things. <laughs> so yeah, as a matter of fact, let me twist this back on you. Uh-huh. How, how do you explain who I am to other people? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I haven't had to try to do this in a while, and it's changed over the years, right? Uh, if someone was to say to me, Brian Brushwood, so what does he do? I'd say, uh, oh, well, he is an internet broadcaster uh, with roots in magic who runs a retail empire. A retail empire? Uh, you're, you're definitely not wrong, and and by the numbers, it's the uh, the online store scamstuff.com that that has funded all of the weird shenanigans that that we've done for the last ten years. Uh, wow! I, but 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 at my core, I don't I don't know that I ever would have thought of myself as a retail empire, <laughs> as a retail emperor, emperor. Uh, yeah, I like empire. <laughs> Uh, well, it's why I put it at the end, because I feel like what you are most is the in internet broadcaster is kind of a wonky term. I want I wanted to find something a little little less slangy sounding. But but that is most of what you do. Modern Rogue, Scam School, Great Night, Cord Killers, stuff like that. Uh, and then you have your roots in magic and you still do it from time to time. So that's important to get across. But then the retail, like I was trying to uh, trying to put in there that like the shop is not the thing you do every day necessarily, but it is the thing that 
powers the engine, so to that, speak. That, that powers the – yeah, that funds everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's the 90 percent of the iceberg that is below the surface yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is that. And, and in fact, that's you know what I'm starting to teach in these uh, courses, the, these two-day courses where, where I explain that um, if you are somebody who makes – anything interesting. If you speak for a living, if you draw for a living, if you sculpt narratives for a living, you're a storyteller. And there's only two categories of those. There are those who have a boss and there are those who eventually get fired and don't go straight over to another boss. And I remember you, you were one of those projects. <laughs> one of those sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, 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 it, it's, it's like a uh, congrats. When you get fired, usually the first thing people say is, okay, now I have to find my next job. Right. But the thing they should really be processing is, congratulations, you're now an independent creator. Uh, you should probably learn learn the rules of that game. And uh, uh, some people have taken my advice. Some people have not. But but you, Tom, you you took my advice and 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 – like you're patient zero and I, 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 here we are 10 years after the fact. And all I want to do is, is hear how it's going. Well, when you have me on your show to talk about that, I will talk ah. about that a lot. Uh, but Brian, the word you gave me, uh, and I think it applies to both stories, to be honest, so we can get to both uh, in the course of this conversation. But the word you gave me when I said, what word should we use as our launching off point? Because if you've li- listened to the show uh, so far, you understand that the word isn't so much a topic that we with that we analyze as a way to like begin the conversation and circle back and, and tie things in. And the, and the word you gave me was ambition. And I, I think people listening to you describe what you do certainly uh, they get the impression that that you're an ambitious guy. Why why did that word come to your head? Uh, because it is both a blessing and a curse, and I mean that with all of my heart. Mm. Um, my dad was a middle level manager at a uh petroleum company. We moved to uh, what, five, six times in my childhood before I went to college, uh, including overseas, you know, living a year in Norway and so on. Um, when, I, when I think of my dad, uh, I, I think that that is somebody who said yes, because he understood that there was opportunity on the other side of yes, even if it was inconvenient, even if it meant uprooting your your family and so on. And so as a result, as I learned about magic, uh, I learned one of the beauties of magic is that uh, there was no committee to me. There was no ladder to climb. Mm -hmm. You could just say, yes, I will perform for 800 of you at the Knights of Columbus meeting or at the, the, the JCs or a, or a fraternal order of police or whatever, I, I will work your benefit. Um, and something about that spirit continued to live on as I went on to uh, just say, yes, I will do college shows and perform all across the United States. Uh, and, and, I knew that there was on that 
money bicycle, a, a, a cozy landing. If you saved enough money, then with grace, you could just shrug your shoulder, shoulders and say, eh, kids, they don't book like they used to. Who knows? I don't understand. And then be done. But instead, uh, I, I, I seized uh, because of that that nasty, dirty word ambition, I seized opportunities to uh, uh, do online content and then to expand upon that, to do TV shows and then to expand upon that. And and now I sit with 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 two YouTube channels, each over a million subscribers, a a mailing list uh, that as as you rightly pointed out funds the whole operation because we we sell stuff um and uh and and, and the opportunity to grow and create new outrageous content for example world's greatest con our our, our newest uh, uh you know way late into the podcast game we we have gotten a foothold that has garnered interest do you ever feel like you'll get to a point where you say no or even maybe rather than yes, because what you were describing about saying yes is, is something I've heard from a lot of people, which is especially at the beginning of something, whether it's the beginning of your career or just the beginning of a new enterprise, say yes to everything you can, unless it's a really bad idea, because you don't want to turn down opportunities. And it sounds like you got to the point where you could have said, great, like you say, the, the soft, graceful landing, but you just looked for more things to say yes to. Uh. Yeah, and I don't know where that comes from. This is this is the curse part of mm. ambition is by all rights mathematically speaking uh I have now accrued enough uh real estate in Austin uh set aside enough money for uh retirement bought enough Tesla stock that 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 Hypothetically, I should be retiring. Yeah. Um, and my number one problem is making payroll week after week. Uh, and, 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 and I'm serious when I say that's a problem, like, like payroll comes in sure. and I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? I don't know how we're going to pull this off this week. And in the back of my head, I'm aware that I don't have to pull it off. I, I could just say but you could just wind down the business and be like, you know how you solve the payroll, not having a payroll. Exactly. And, and uh, uh, we definitely don't have an income problem. We just had a Brian's refusal to uh, let anyone go problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so um, I don't know, in that regard, I, I kind of come to you seeking counsel, uh, what do you think it is about the two sides of that coin? Because uh, uh, the the promise, the opportunity to get ahead is very seductive, very powerful. That's some good uh, 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 steroids to put yourself on. Uh, but then, but then it's like, is there ever a moment where it's important to turn it off? Yeah, i I think this is a really interesting. Uh, way in which we are different, but have a, a crossing Venn diagram in how we approach things. So I tend to approach things in, I, I want to do things I'm interested in doing. And the freedom of 
working your own enterprise allows you the freedom to do that, to not have to go to a boss, to not have to sit down with a lawyer from CBS and say, gosh, I'd really like to have ads on Sword and Laser. Can I do that, please? Well, sure. We'll just need two months to process this one piece of paper. Uh, that is what happened at CNET. And, and it was one of the first things that got me thinking, gosh, I don't, I, I don't like having to do that. Uh, but I'm not, I don't goal set the way you do. So I sort of look at what's in front of me and say, that looks fun. That looks fun. I think those are worth doing. That looks fun, but it's probably not going to be profitable. So maybe I'll give, give less, less time to that. And I, I go forward and then see what's possible. Whereas I get the impression that you say, that looks fun. Let me set a goal for making that X. And then you, you charge forward on it. Well, and even weirder, uh, like I've, I've set goals that I have totally forgotten about for <laughs> decades, uh -huh. multiple decades. Uh, I recently came across a, a goal setting exercise that I had done uh, 20 years ago. And on that list was uh, something that I'm actively working on today. Uh -huh. Like, like uh, it, it was have a gorgeous, beautiful, natural pool that's perfect for swimming. Something that is uniquely Austin, uh, that is spring fed. Like, like that, it, that was your was, goal 20 years ago. You had written that. That's amazing. And, and I had totally forgotten about it. And meanwhile, I found two guys who specialize in doing pond development here in Austin. And, and, uh, and the more I described about what I wanted, they're like, this is so weird because like, we were just thinking we wanted to do this exact kind of project. Uh -huh. And, and, um, uh, I, I, I don't believe in magic, but I do believe that at some level you say something, write something, you put it out loud to yourself. And even if you forget about it, it sticks with you is, is, is what I would like to believe. Yeah. I, I think that is true. When you, when you say something out loud, you write it down, it changes how you think about it, right? Sometimes you could say something out loud and realize, well, that was dumb. Why, why did I ever think that? Right. I've, I've had that phenomenon with, with a concern or a worry and you speak it out loud and it, it's like, oh, it's, it's not as big a deal as I thought now that I've said it out loud. And then there's what you're describing, which is, a goal or something becomes more per more solid and more more integral and sticks in your brain more when you express it. Uh, when there's that moment in the Matrix where uh, Neo finds himself in the construct, you know, surrounded in a white nothing space, and uh, Morpheus says, uh, "Oh, you're experiencing residual self-image," uh, by which he meant uh, this is how you perceive yourself. This is the reason that. Let's say, for example, you're in sales and uh, you perceive yourself as somebody who does about $40,000 a year in sales. If it is March and you've already done $30,000 of your 40, you're suddenly going to think, whoa, 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 way ahead of schedule. Let me take it easy. Let yeah. me go on that vacation. Let me do that, whatever, right? Meanwhile, flip side, uh, if it's uh, October and you've only done $20,000 of sales, 
but you're, you're like, well, this can't be right. I'm the person who does $40,000 of sales. So you're going to double hustle. You're going to, you're going to put your nose to the grindstone and all that stuff uh, to make sure that by the end of the year, you get to where you expect to be. Uh, and, and I think that might be one of simultaneously the most wonderful, but also the scariest aspects of, uh, of, of ambition is uh, you it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a number. It's a set of experiences. It is a lifestyle that you get to decide for yourself. And then naturally you find yourself chasing. There, there's a smaller example of this that that comes to my mind. Do you, do you ever have the experience that you get more done when you're behind than when you're ahead in a, in a day? Yes. Yes, hundred uh, percent. As a matter of fact, um, uh, I've not talked a lot about this publicly. I think on only one other podcast have I mentioned it. But um, uh, uh, late in my life, I'm, I'm almost fifty now. But late in my life, I I got a proper diagnosis for ADD, and I was like, and and I rolled my eyes through the whole process of going through things. Because I'm like, yeah, sure, I have ADD, whatever. Give me your low-grade cocaine, your <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, but once I really understood the power behind that diagnosis, uh, I realized that, um, oh, wait, you know, it does make sense. For 20 years, you intentionally, you quit a day job that was tedious and difficult for you to handle so that you could perform a lifestyle where every four hours there was a, uh, the building was on fire, whether it was getting the show ready, whether it was performing the show, whether it was uh, signing books afterwards, whether it was getting ready for the flight for the next day or whatever, like you created the perfect reality for everything to be always novel and always terrifying and always on fire. Uh, and, and, in my case, it was only having a, a, a finding out that we were having a third child that that caused me to realize like, okay, I've got to act like a boss uh, now. And then and then that's when I figured out that I was refusing to respond to emails. I was hiding, playing Hearthstone, that kind of thing. Well, that makes a lot of sense that you would want to construct a scenario where not focusing is not your fault. Right. You would you constructed a scenario where there was a perfectly understandable reason that you weren't focusing on something. Uh and and it was just a oh, natural and, 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 way and, and, of doing it. In that regard, my goodness, Tom, like it was ecstasy. It was bliss. When you're on an airplane, you're not supposed to be doing your taxes. Yeah. When you're at a hotel, you're not supposed to be uh, uh, you know, uh, raising your kids right. When you're setting up on stage, you're not supposed to be doing anything other than getting ready for the show. And and there's a full-on like OCD ritual to the whole thing where it's like, as we would get closer to showtime, I, I would run through the litany of, of uh, fire, nails, uh, uh, human crazy straw, a skewer through tongue, but like, like, and I would physically again and again, and again, touch all of the different 
magic props that were needed for all of them. And I would double check that the sound cues were, were, were set up and ready to go. It never occurred to me that that in any way could be a pathology or at the very least a limiting factor in, in my growth as a human. Well, because you were, you had, I, I, I want to use the word excuse, but that makes it sound like an excuse, but you had a legitimate justification. Maybe that's a better word. A perfectly legitimate reason. You are doing a job that supports your family. And I, I think that's the interesting thing about pathology and, you know, disorders is that they are only disorders when they get in the way. They're not disorders if they're beneficial. And, and, and I'm not trying to say like nobody's crazy or I'm not trying to like excuse away bad behavior when I say that. If it's bad behavior, it's bad because it gets in the way, right? It causes problems. Well, and, and, and uh, you, let's, let's run with this because I think you're right. Um, a, a pathology is not a pathology until it manifests some kind of negative aspect to it. And whatever engine caused me to be in love with being on the road, caused me to love being on stage, caused me to love uh, touching all my props, you know, five times before we go live. So that like, like I would do a show and then at the end of the 70 minute event, all I could think about is like, yeah, but at 37 minutes, I reached back and the torch wasn't where I thought it was going to be. Um, that only becomes a pathology when it amounts to a disappointment in somebody who you love. Uh-huh. And, and, and so as I transitioned into doing, you know, YouTube and, and, and building an online presence and all that stuff, all of a sudden there were aspects of the job that, that I was letting people down on. I, I, I was refusing to, you know, I, I was hiding basically playing my, my online mobile games or whatever. Yeah. Well, and that makes, that makes sense to me because a pathology may not be a pathology in certain situations. We, we have this idea that they're, you know, it's like you, you either have an illness or you don't, right? Because it, when you have a cold, you either have a cold or you don't. Uh, but there, there's lots of illnesses, especially when you're talking about mental related illnesses that, that may be beneficial at a certain situation, but once the situation changes, they're not beneficial anymore. That that's what you're describing is it was actually beneficial for you to do that. It was good for your family to do that because you made a career out of it. However, conditions changed to the point where it wasn't as beneficial anymore. And, and I don't, I think the public or people in general often tend to be judgmental of like, well, he should have known or, or, or something like that. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know that you should have changed anything about what you did. Do you, do you, do you regret any of that? Or do you feel like, no, it was just, I got to a point where I needed to, to adapt and, and deal with it. Uh, no, if, if, if anything, I'm very, very pleased and proud that, um, cause it, for me, it all boils down to one thing is, uh, after getting a proper diagnosis, uh, it, uh, it became clear that I had an increased ability 
to uh, keep promises. And and that's all that matters to me nowadays. I, I wake up, the first thing I think of every morning is, uh, hey, what promises can I keep? Um, uh, uh, longtime listeners probably know that uh, a couple of years ago, I lost my brother, um, uh, had a couple of, of like real eye-opening uh, epiphanies uh, uh, among them being that, uh, I, uh, my, my relationship with sleep used to be that I would wake up at two in the morning and once I was awake, I would be like, great. Now I just fixate on the enormity and the eternity of what ultimate death means and have what's <laughs> my place in the universe and all uh-huh. that stuff. Uh, and now that I've gone through that with my brother, uh, who, who passed away, uh, uh, due to addiction of uh, uh, alcoholism, and uh, now I wake up long enough to think, "Oh yeah, this is the part where I usually ruminate about death." Um, and and I realize I am totally unconcerned with the specifics of what eternal oblivion looks like, and instead I only care about uh, whoo. That was embarrassing the way Jay punched out with so many unbroken promises. Um, mm. Do I uh, or, or, do I have any promises that I'm going to, you know, be left with or whatever? And then I I run through my list of commitments and it's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. All right, good night, me. <laughs> and then, then, then off I go. You know, that's it's, amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, it it and and uh, look, th- there's nothing great. I I realized recently that. Uh, that that it'll be 18 more years. Think about this. It'll be 18 more years before finally I've spent as much time with my wife as I did with my brother. Ah, uh huh. And yeah. uh, I, I, I realizing that I, I I don't know. It's 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 not nothing to lose somebody who's been so close to you for so long, uh, but. If, if if there's a gift in there, um, the the gift may be figuring out for myself like what truly is important and what truly is not important is the duration of my life or how much I get done during that time. The what what is truly important is uh, the number of kept promises. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Is it fair to say that, and, and you tell me whether this was something you were already coming to before or after your brother died, is it fair to say that the the true test for you was realizing things had changed and that you needed to adapt versus you know, somebody maybe just saying, nope, I'm just going to keep doing what I, what I did before, even if it's harmful. Uh, 
I, I'm pleased that I didn't go into any kind of crazy spiral. I didn't uh-huh. sabotage any relationships. Um, was uh, it tempting? Uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's from what I understand what a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I definitely did. And, and, and this is me holding myself to account. I checked out for like a year and a half and everybody in my life, in, in, like, in, including you, Tom, I mean, it's like, I, 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 I think everybody knew like, Oh, Brian's not really here now. He'll come back. And, uh, and, and it did, it took just over a year. Weirdly, it was, uh, the night, like, uh, 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 boy, we're getting real deep and personal. Uh, it, it, it was, uh, I, I didn't get a haircut for a year and change, uh, because there was always a part of my head that I could touch. And, and I'm like, oh, that's when Jay was alive. That's uh-huh. when this was, this is pre COVID. This is whatever. Uh, and then finally, of all things, it was a haircut that, allowed me to represent to myself that that that's the end of my morning period. And now I'm ready to get back to work. It's the importance of symbolism. It's not, it's not like there was some, anything magic in your hair, but it, it's, it's, it's the importance of meaning there. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I wish it was more interesting than it sounds. Uh, I think but, it sounds pretty damn interesting from the outside, to be honest. <laughs> Well, uh, it, 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 it was kind of funny because even when I did decide to cut my hair, I, I, I couldn't handle doing it all at once. So I went in stages. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, a, I remember, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, so I cut it into a ridiculous mullet and, uh, and you know, ha ha ha, look at this, look at this crazy mullet. Uh, but also there was a little bit of cowardice in there. In that it was me, you know, dipping a toe into the water, saying like, uh, uh, "Oh no, I, I mean, I'm sure I'll cut all of this, but, <laughs> but for right now, it's nice to still feel this part." You know, uh, the stages of grief involve mullet in your case. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, did, it did for me, man. That's that's not even a joke. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Although it was played for a joke at at, at the time. That's something all people do i shouldn't say all i'm sure i'm sure there's people who don't but i think a lot of people do which is uh hide behind humor as a way to get through something i don't think there's anything wrong with that do you uh no until actually let me let me reframe that um yes if you make the mistake of figuring out that it's that Pain is a profitable way to manufacture interest. Uh, the, uh, there are some people who go through terrible things, and whether it's on TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitter, you name it, uh, they they crack the code of like, oh, me being in misery is what makes the money come in. So. Guess what? They make sure that they're yeah, always yeah, yeah. in misery. You know that. That's a good point. You don't want to stay behind the humor. You just if you're using it as a as a heat shield, you know, to gain reentry, fine. But you don't want to live there, right? Well, and and what I really worry about is uh, my you know fourteen uh, year old is is you know very much of the TikTok generation. 
and and she is watching people manufacture it, 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 some percentage of these tragedies and difficulties are definitely true, but mm-hmm. some percentage are not. Uh, or or they're exaggerated sometimes. See, there's correct, a whole spectrum correct. out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's but there's definitely a monetized click behind every single one of them, and uh, that that is one of the one of the aspects that I worry about just for society writ large. That is that overriding question that I I constantly have of. Is this really a problem or is it another example of, oh, crap, we created something new and it's going to be uncomfortable while we learn the parameters around it? Right. This is why one of my favorite podcasts, formerly called the, uh, the Pessimist Archives, uh, now, now called uh, uh, Build for Tomorrow, uh, I just love example after example of the novel, the hysteria that's ruining America, yeah. the bicycle, the hysteria that's ruining America. Yeah, no, the, the 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 novel one is 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 one of my favorites because we have campaigns from I'll be honest, some very self righteous people along with some very well intentioned people to to get people to read. Everybody needs to read. Reading is fun. Let's get kids to read. And then you go back and they're like, "What are we trying to get kids to read? We don't care. Mostly novels, right?" Like that's fine. We don't we don't mind if they're reading novels. Maybe not graphic novels. We're getting a little more comfortable with those. But but yeah, fiction is great. But like you're saying that the hysteria around novels when they were new, and it's like ah, people escaping into these worlds of fancy. They'll never be able to deal with reality anymore if everyone reads novels. It, if you don't realize this is true, go check out the podcast that Brian is talking about or just do a Google search or a DuckDuckGo search. Uh, you'll find plenty of examples of that out there. Uh, it's doubly weird. Like um, uh, now that I've got young ones uh, that are far enough from uh, my timeline <laughs> that I don't understand why they love what they love. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but like uh, – uh, you know, MIT has a, a whole coding platform called Scratch that uh, uh, my my daughter Calliope, uh, it, like she's like, Dad, look at this, and it's I don't know a spinning wheel, and I'm like, cool, and I'm like, and in my mind, I'm thinking, so what'd you do? You animated 24 frames, you drew <laughs> wheel 24 times, and then it's like, no, silly, I use these coding blocks of Python script. To take a fixed object and to rotate it uh, so much at a time, it, 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 there's a temptation to want to blame or or worry about the next generation, but really what they're doing is they're preparing for all the things that you and I will not understand in thirty more years. Yeah, and, and some of it is because they don't know when you're young, I should, I don't want to, they, them, when you're young, you don't know enough to know what's dumb and what's not going to work and to see through the veil. Uh, and, and so some of it is just having that, that blessing of, of, you know, charging ahead without 
knowing the consequences and therefore accidentally winning a lot. I certainly did that a lot when I was a kid. Uh, but some of it is also, as you get older, you just, it just gets, your brain isn't as flexible, right? You, you're, you're comfortable with the things, you know, and throwing new things in there. It's, it's not that you can't adapt. It's just harder. Yeah. Or, or, or I guess just, just less pleasant to do so. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't even know if there's necessarily a good or a bad to adapting or not adapting. Um, it's a tempo. I, I, yeah. Like, like here, here's what I do know. Uh, my children and their relationship with media uh, annoys me insofar as they want things to move quicker. Right. But that comes from a place of they're more literate than I am uh, about like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You're in a crazy cyberspace opera. Would you, would you get to the part where something happens? You know, whereas like our generation wants to watch Blade Runner and it's like, Oh no, 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 no. Give this like 20 minutes before (laughs) you get to anything interesting happening. Just let us soak in the fact that we're in a cybernetic. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that other, the other day when I when I go back and watch movies, especially movies from the 80s what, that I loved then and realize I get I get impatient now. I can't imagine people with, you know, younger, more pliable brains. I think it's because some of the attraction of an 80s movie was that you were seeing something for the first time. Nobody had showed you this before. And the difference is now. Well, there have been plenty of Ferris Bueller's. The Ferris Bueller jokes aren't new anymore. The idea of somebody talking like Ferris Bueller has been done before. And so if you're watching that as a child now and you've you've grown up in a world where Ferris Bueller is ambient, right? Like that's just like, yeah, people people make those kinds of jokes. You watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off and you're like, okay, but when does the interesting thing happen? Whereas for us, it was like, oh my gosh, we've never seen anyone talk like this, be like this, do this. So it can, it has to move slower then because it has to give you a time to adapt and react. Whereas now it's like, yeah, no, this is all part of our vocabulary. We, we already know it's, this. It's so funny because, um, uh, like I'm, I'm just old enough to not understand everything you just said. Like I'm old enough to be like, <laughs> to be like, what are you talking about? That was the fastest paced movie of the, of the, in the world. Right. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that dude skipped class for crying out loud. He was all over the map. Yeah. But, uh, but a skipping, a skipping class movie is not a novel thing anymore. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm not saying Ferris Bueller is bad or the kids can't enjoy it, but it's, it just plays differently. That's all. Uh, well, well, it certainly doesn't play with with the lyricism and the speed that that we received it in at 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 the time. Let's, uh, similar- I, I have an example that I know will work for you. Miami okay. Vice. Uh, yes, we, okay. are, which, we have which, been intermittently disclosure. we have been intermittently rewatching Miami Vice on the show Cord Killers that Brian and I host together, or, or the Spoiler in Time spinoff of that, and. 
I realized it might have been Miami Vice that started this chain of thought for me. I realized that Miami Vice seems super slow to us now. And we've talked on spoiler in time about, well, part of that is because you couldn't pause. There was no DVR. You know, people got up and went to the bathroom during commercial breaks and all of that. And people weren't paying close attention like we do now. But also, I think it's because that was new seeing Miami in a world where people didn't travel as much was new uh and and so just the spectacle of the you know the long shot of the beach seems really slow to us like yeah yeah i've seen a beach you know come on whereas back then it's like oh that's pretty oh you don't usually see shots like that on tv because there wasn't as much tv Uh, and for what it's worth a a lot of that cinematography holds up um yep yep also, full disclosure, there are episodes that don't hold up, yep. but 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 man, what a great time traveling adventure we are having watching that show. Uh, everything uh, it, it, partly because of seeing the way uh, 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 when you're forced into that four by three box of television, when you're forced into the prime time slot uh, in uh, Friday nights or whatever, when you're forced to. You know, you've got, um, uh, 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 let's say, Edward James Olmos, and so you better use him. So it's like, as a result, all these faces get wedged into shots in really, really unnatural, weird yeah. ways. That Especially on a 50-inch TV where you're like, whoa, that's a lot of face. <laughs> right? Um, uh, and then people also have to repeat things a whole bunch because they know that somebody went to the bathroom at yep. some point. Or someone was talking um, to them or, yeah, whatever. And, and if you pay for the license for a song, you better play the whole <laughs> song. <laughs> so there's Or like if you cast minutes. Glenn Fry in a role and he made a song, then you're going to you're going to milk every cent out of that. Yeah. <laughs> but but within those constrictions, uh, it's a miracle. That show is great. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, I've really enjoyed us going back and revisiting it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's an example of the fact that. What we bring to things changes over time. Uh, and so what you brought to Miami Vice when it was brand new and on the air in 1985 is going to be different than what you bring to it now. Cause in 1985, what you were 12, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and you're not, you're not 12 now. So there's a whole different package of experiences you bring to that. And that's true of every single thing, which is ties back to, you know, the, the differences that somebody who is 12 is bringing to something they're looking at now that you're looking at with your 50, almost 50 years of experience. Well, and, uh, there are specific moments uh, like within Miami Vice where it's like now uh, I, I remember seeing them as a kid and I'm like, uh, oh, uh, they're on a beach. That's what this scene means. And now I look and I'm like, oh, a producer wanted to get paid. So he put <laughs> as many boobs as he could in the shot. And so – uh, again, it's 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 uh, that that's part of that four quadrant storytelling where it appeals to young, old, male, female. You said earlier that that you teach that there are two kinds of storytellers, the storytellers that get paid to do it and the storytellers who do it for themselves. Uh, do, do you feel like that the kind of storytelling has broadened now versus then 
you know, th- then it was pretty much all the storytellers were in hock to some, you know, big mogul executive because he only had three networks, four networks, et cetera. Yes. And, and uh, 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 to give a short version of part of the class, um, uh, you know, in the beginning there was radio and it was good. Uh, and then one day radio got pictures in the form of CBS, NBC, and ABC. All radio. Uh, and uh, uh, only three. Eventually Fox showed up. But uh, the uh, 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 whenever there's a new format, there's a land rush to figure out how to secure space, um, as, as I put it, to plant your seed where nobody will compete with your sunshine. Uh, and so, uh, and then we saw it again in the 1970s where uh, uh, cable got deregulated and you would think that, okay, whoever was big in television is going to be big in cable. But by definition, all of the open slots on cable belonged to uh, people who wanted to show up and perform for nobody. And so as a result, it was the early movers. It was the the CNNs, the HBOs, you know, all of ESPN, these. ESPN, obs- yeah. Exactly, all of these obscure uh, providers. And then weirdly, when the old guard did move, they showed up too late. Uh, CNBC was originally intended to be cable NBC. And by the time they moved, it was too late. And so they had to go through the harsh reality of, of like, nope, you're going to have to literally find a niche that nobody else has occupied. So they became financial news network, basically. And uh, and same thing happened on the Internet. When the Internet happened, you would think that it would be all of the established powers that would dominate at first. Um, and with the exception of NPR, I'll grant that NPR already had an engine that was very much built for podcasting, which is part of why – they still dominate the charts on on podcasting, uh, but outside of that, it's it's all these early movers that that have made magic happen. I think there are there there are like three categories that it, that it, that sort of appear when I think about that. There's there's the category of the incumbent, like you say, which in radio translated directly NBC, CBS. They were the dominant radio broadcasters and became the dominant TV broadcasters. But I think that was because it was almost a one-to-one, right? It, it was basically the same system, except instead of broadcasting audio, they broadcast it, like you said, audio with pictures. Whereas cable was a more open platform. And so you had a lot more experimentation, a lot more flowering, and then consolidation, right? Disney came in and bought ESPN. Uh, you you had NBC come in and buy Bravo. So so it consolidated eventually, and you kind of see that happening in the internet as well, where the the big companies are coming in and trying to buy up the successful stuff. But every time that happens, there's a chance that one of the early movers succeeds, and you get an Amazon, you, you get a Netflix, or there's some new part that didn't translate, and you get a, a Google, uh, you get a Facebook. Well, uh, there's that wonderful line in Game of Thrones when Littlefinger says uh, that chaos is a ladder. And uh, when I think of the early days of cable, that's what I think of in terms of MTV. Like if 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 you told me, 
like, okay, there's going to be a new type of video entertainment that'll be available to anyone. And they're going to play commercials 24 seven. And it's going to be the hottest thing on the planet. Uh, and, and it's like, well, who's, who's getting paid? Uh, 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 they're getting paid to play, pay the, uh, to play the commercials or, uh, the commercials, uh, who pays who the answer is everybody. It's, it's like the idea that essentially what used to be promo films of, of, you know, air quotes videos, uh, would, would become the driving force of entertainment. They were the TikTok of our generation basically. And uh, the fact that that still surprises me to this day makes me strongly suspect that there's no way I can know what's going to come next. Yeah. So how do you decide where your ambition lies to, to bring it full circle? Like when you, when you don't know where that open niche is, uh, do you just look at things that interest you and, and set your goals that direction? Do you, do you strike a balance between it? What, what do you do? It's, it's going to take a few years for me to get there. But um, here's some no BS talk. Is uh, uh, I wrote a magic show that was successful enough to get some awards. That was popular enough that it took me performing to every single state in the continental U.S., it was popular enough that I headlined for three years for each year performing for over 100,000 people at Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, it was popular enough that it took me on national television in Indonesia and Istanbul each time performing for as many people as watched the Super Bowl. Um, and then I did it again starting from scratch building a YouTube uh, uh, a vertical with uh, scam school. And then I did it again. You know, I did uh, the TV shows on national geographic, and then I did it again on um, uh, 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 with the modern rogue. And I, I may not be the best at tactics, but I can talk strategy all day long. I can talk long-term how to build an audience, how to get them so invested in you that eventually you can just just post a video that says hello money please and it, it will show up right and um uh and i i would like to teach that and so my ambition and this is something i think we've talked about privately is i i don't want to do anything i don't want to start anything now that won't only get better the older i get and I'm uh, creeping up on 50 now, so I only just now am getting to the credible phase of being able to, with a straight face, say, no, 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 pretty sure I've got it cracked on building a brand, developing a passionate audience, figuring out how to monetize and build a team, that kind of thing. Well, Brian, uh, really sincerely appreciate you, you know, talking about such personal things, uh, sharing some of your experiences and, and, and wisdom, uh, and, and, and taking the time to do that with us today. Would you like to play a silly game? Yes, I would. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is called this and that it's easy. 
You, uh, I give you two things, and you tell me which one you would want, this or that, and why. Okay. Ready? Ready. Dell or Gateway? Uh, yeah, Dell. I worked at Dell. So there's loyalty there. See, I wasn't sure which way that would go. Well, uh, also, Gateway... <laughs> Dell exists. <laughs> I think somebody's trying to resurrect the Gateway brand, but yeah, they, the company. But but they they won't be the gate Gateway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no cow boxes. Uh, fast or slow zombies? Oh, slow, 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 slow. That's the whole point. Is uh, the metaphor of of a zombie being something that is not very adept, adroit, or perceptive? Something that's dumb and stupid, but just is coming at you with numbers is inherently terrifying. It's got to be slow zombies. It's the analytics of zombies that makes them terrifying. It's the numbers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, or, 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 and, and, uh, you know what it is? It's a par- parallel versus serial computing. So uh-huh. it's like, it's like zombies are massively parallel. Uh huh. Uh, so, so if there's one flaw somewhere in your grid, they're they're because they're all poking at it. Yep, one of them's going to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the pen testers of the horror right. universe. Uh, scam or school? Oh, especially in light of what you just said about you know wanting to do more courses and stuff. It's interesting. Now, I, I, uh, and and uh, this is something I don't normally toot my own horn about, but, but like, I feel like I've done a moral good by getting people, pe- people don't talk about what they were excited to learn. People talk about the trick they actually pulled on their cousin, their aunt, their uncle, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that lives on, when you smell an actual fraud coming because you've lived it a little bit. So. Oh, it's gotta be scam. Scam. Yeah. All right. All right. Cause if I, I could see there was some schooling in there that you were talking about, uh, Steven Pinker or Richard Dawkins. Oh, Pinker. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Richard Dawkins. Um, uh, you know what? Let's just say Steven Pinker. Just uh, stick to the better angel of your nature. <laughs> yes. Read and experience Steven Pinker from beginning to end, and there will never be a moment that you will cringe. You will feel nothing but joy the, your, your whole ride long. <laughs> uh, here's a harder one. Savory or dessert crepes? Uh, oh, savory. Savory. Mm. Because because of because of the you just prefer a savory taste over a sweet taste or yeah uh yes all right yeah uh this one goes out to all the the nineties Austin folks electric lounge or hole in the wall electric lounge you 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 know that's where I got my start right? yeah yeah no uh, I, I and it was hard for me to find something that I, I even thought you'd have a hard, you'd have to think about hole in the wall was the closest I could get. These are both uh, these are both venues from from '90s Austin for for folks who don't know and and Brian one performed of at one of them. Yeah, uh, uh, the other of which uh, I got my start performing magic. <laughs> one of them's still with us, and the other you performed at. I actually performed at the Hole in the Wall. So <laughs> yeah, I did uh, I did some Frank Sinatra songs on stage there once. 
Of course you did. Yeah, of course I did. Uh, dogs or cats? Oh, dogs. Dogs Car- for the win. I, I'm not even here. Look, um, uh, anyone who says cats, it's because they need cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, cats don't need you. Cats don't need you, right? Whereas dogs, man, uh, dogs are just the best. They're the best. Uh, hot or cold? Ask me again in <laughs> January. Yeah, I say this as Austin is like above 100 degrees Fahrenheit every day. Uh, in general, I would be a hot guy, but not. <laughs> but your, your hot preference has been tested, has been put to the test lately. Although I guess uh, uh, what one thing that has been consistent is uh, uh, in sleeping conditions, uh, like I've uh, – that's part of the reason I sleep in a different room from everyone else in my house is because uh, the studio we built to have its own vent just so it could always be like 68 degrees or something. Ah, nice. Uh, well, that's it, Brian. Thank you so much uh, for hanging out, man. It was, it was a pleasure to talk to you and and, and really sincerely. Th- thanks for, for getting so deep with me. Uh, yeah, I didn't intend to be, you didn't tell me this was secretly a, a, a deep dive therapy session. <laughs> it just kind of goes where it goes, man. So uh, I appreciate it. Uh, let folks know where they can find all the ambitious stuff you do. Uh, right now, out of everything, I only want to promote World's Greatest Con because because it's going to be a show that Justin and I are going to do for decades to come. Uh, it's It's quite good. Excellent. Excellent. Go check it out. World's Greatest Con. Thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lemos, and thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show with Acast Plus. Click on Access Exclusive Content at awordpodcast.com. We'll have a word with you next time. 